0: We asked the question last week, what principles govern relationships in God's kingdom? What principles govern relationships in God's kingdom? And we said there were four. Uh, We said, first of all, Jesus said, do not self-righteously judge others. Remember he talked about wanting to get that speck out of your brother's eye where you got a big old plank, a big old log sticking out of your own. He said, first take care of Uh, of your own business uh, before you self-righteously judge others. Secondly, uh, we said uh, do not be naive about those who openly despise the gospel. We don't self-righteously judge others, but we're also not naive about that there are folks who just despise and and contemptuously reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said don't uh, cast holy food to the dogs, don't cast your... uh, Pearls before swine. So we need to be uh, understanding and discerning about those who openly despise the gospel. Thirdly, we said expectantly ask God for guidance and assistance in relationships. Jesus said ask, seek, and knock. And he would guide us, uh, he would give us what we ask for. And then fourthly, uh, the, the fourth principle governing relationships in God's kingdom is to treat others the way you want to be treated. The golden rule. And uh, I I, I don't think that needs much explanation. I think we all understand that. So uh, the kingdom of God is very much concerned about our relationships. Well, in in this uh, twelfth and final uh, sermon in the series, my title today is Kingdom Realities. Kingdom Realities. And I'll be uh, sharing today from uh, Matthew chapter 7, Verses 13 through 28. Uh, You know, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been primarily speaking to his disciples, but he has also uh, had his eye on the crowds that would gather, and there were some crowds, and also the religious leaders. And so now he concludes the Sermon on the Mount with warnings to all three groups. Uh, He warns his disciples here in these verses Uh, to examine themselves to be sure that they are truly members of God's kingdom, not simply those who profess to be. How many know there's a difference? Secondly, he warns the crowds to carefully consider the choice between following him or following the popular religious leadership. And thirdly, he warns the religious establishment about their responsibility for leading the people in the wrong direction. So his final words of the sermon, therefore, call for a response by presenting all groups with three unavoidable realities. Three uh, sets of choices, if you will. Uh, Unavoidable realities. Uh, You know, someone once said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own set of facts. Someone else said, facts are stubborn things, aren't they? And, uh, you know, we have this um, tendency as human beings to think that reality is what we choose to make it or what we choose to believe. Well, if I close my eyes real hard and I just believe it's the case, it's got to be true. What happened? Nothing happened. You know, we, we, we think reality is what we think it to be. But reality has the word real in it. Reality is what's real. Amen? And so uh, Jesus shares uh, three realities. uh, So we'll answer the question, what realities confront us through the claims of God's kingdom? The first one is this. It's that the options are limited. The options are limited. In verse 13, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. There's a contrast here between the narrow gate, the narrow road, and the uh, wide gate, or wide road, or path. And... There's a choice that must be made. These are the only two choices. Remember when you were in in school and you're taking multiple choice tests and the, the, the question was asked and there's maybe A, B, C, and D and you didn't like any of the choices. You're like, where's E? You know, and it's not there. The options were limited. Well, here Jesus tells us options are limited to two. The narrow gate, the narrow road, or the... Wide gate, the wide road. Now Jesus himself is the narrow gate. He said in John 10, 9, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Reality is a stubborn thing. And he contrasts, there's a contrast here between the wide path, entering through the wide gate to the wide path, or entering through the narrow gate and the narrow path. First of all, the wide path is easy. The narrow path is hard. The wide path, the, 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 the path of least resistance is the easiest path, right? When you have a choice, how many know the easy thing and the right thing to do are usually not the same thing? Have you found that to be true? We have a choice. Am I going to go the easy way? Am I going to go down the wide path? Or am I going to do the right thing? The, the narrow path is hard. The narrow path calls for integrity. The narrow path calls for doing the right thing instead of the easy thing. Secondly, the wide path is popular. The narrow path is unpopular. Jesus said the, the, the wide road, the wide path, he said it's full of people. It's the way most people go. It's, it's the path of the majority. So the narrow path, very few people find it. It's the minority. It's the minority. Let me tell you, we talk, you know, we adults, we talk about our teens and dealing with peer pressure and facing peer pressure. We adults are not immune to peer pressure. Can I tell you that? We adults feel the pressure to go along with the majority. Can I I tell you something that I hope you already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway? The majority is not always right. As a matter of fact, more often than not, it seems like it's wrong. You see, and um, I, 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 I was interested when the uh, recent Supreme Court uh, decision came out uh, saying there wasn't a right to abortion in the, uh, in the Constitution. And we heard so many people saying, that the Supreme Court is tone deaf to the will of the American people. majority of people want abortion. Well. That, is, that was beside the point. And I'm not trying to wade into politics here, but that was beside the point. The point was, what does the law say? What does the Constitution say or not say in, the, in this case? You see? And so we, we have this notion that the majority is always right. Uh, Jesus said many follow the wide path, very few follow the narrow path. Third difference, he said the wide path leads to destruction. The narrow path leads to life. Can I tell you something, church? We are called to share the gospel. We are called to, uh, to, to save as many people as we can from the fires of eternity. But we will always be in the minority on this earth. We will always be in the minority. We will always be the unpopular choice. And if you don't believe that, just, just look at social media. Just look at an article that has to deal with the hot-button issues of the day and read the comments the the vitriol and the hate for people of faith, uh, and and we're called narrow-minded, and you know that's usually taken as a, a, a criticism. But you know, in light of what Jesus is saying here, I don't mind being called narrow-minded now and then. If that means I'm on the narrow path, and and so. Uh, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. Take the narrow path. Don't follow the easy way. Don't follow the path of the majority. Don't follow the path that leads to destruction. The predominant religion of America today is not biblical Christianity. What most people in our country believe is a mix of deistic, so-called pop religious beliefs. With ideas such as this, there is a good God in heaven and all religions worship the same God, whatever their specific doctrines and belief. doesn't matter what religion you are, we all worship the same God. This God is a benevolent grandfatherly figure who, like a grandparent, spoils you and won't discipline you and certainly would never judge you. Uh, You can pretty much do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. How How many have heard that? As long as you don't hurt anybody, God will overlook it. And then uh, another tenet of this pop religious uh, so-called Christianity of our culture is we are all imperfect, but unless you are really bad, you know, like a Hitler or Stalin or, or some kind of mass murderer, we'll all go to heaven, just as long as you're sincere. How many know you can be sincerely wrong? An ABC News poll backs up that this is the philosophy of most Americans, three quarters of Americans who believe in heaven think that people of all religious beliefs will be there. Only 21 percent believe that a faith in Christ is required. So a vast majority of Americans think that any kind of religion will get you into heaven as long as you're sincere. I heard about a pastor not long ago who ran into a person like that. He had just preached a message on Sunday about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. And later that week, he met a woman in the post office who saw him and said, I visited your church Sunday and I heard your message, but I disagree with it. She said, all the different religions are just different roads to heaven. You can take any of them and you'll get there. She said, just like coming to this post office today, I came one route, you came another route, but we all come different routes but get to the same place. The pastor said in reply, there's only one problem with that. When I die, I don't want to go to the post office. (laughs) Jesus said there's only one way to heaven. He is the one and only way to the Father. Uh, The options are limited. If you're here today or watching online, I know that we're predominantly people who were born again, but I take nothing for granted today. What path are you following? What road are you walking down? The popular path? The easy path, the path that leads to destruction, I pray not. Jesus said, uh, walk down the narrow, go through the narrow gate, walk down the narrow path. Understand that those are the only two options. You're either part of God's kingdom or you're not. You're part of the kingdom of darkness. There are no in-betweens. Realities. Realities. Facts are stubborn things, church. And listen... I'm I'm okay with getting accused of not preaching a popular message or something that, uh, you know, the majority of people don't want to hear. I'm okay with that accusation. What I can never tolerate is uh, if a truthful accusation could be leveled against me that I didn't preach the truth, that I didn't preach the Word of God, that I didn't preach reality. And so the reality is there are two options, one that leads to eternal destruction, one that leads to eternal life. Amen? What's the second reality that we're presented with? It's this, that the fruit is evident. The fruit is evident. In verse 15, Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear fruit. Good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their uh, fruit, you will know them. You will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The fruit is evident. Jesus talks about two groups. First, there's the fruit of the false prophets. The false prophets. Jesus warned his listeners to watch out for false prophets. Prophets are those who speak in the name of the Lord. They are Uh, a a sign with the task of speaking for God. And just as in our day, in Jesus' day, false prophets abounded, they were everywhere, and they would purport to speak in the name of the Lord, but they would lead people astray. We've already seen in the Sermon on the Mount how uh, Jesus excoriated the scribes and the Pharisees for putting these loads on people uh, that, that he said in one place they wouldn't even use a pinky to lift themselves at, at, and with their uh, righteousness based on keeping a code and keeping a law. Jesus had very stern words uh, to say to the religious leaders of his day. And he says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And he says this, by your, their fruit you will recognize them. What is fruit? Fruit is what's produced in a life. Fruit fruit is the result of of what one's life is all about. Let me tell you, you know, you can can watch a preacher on TV, and I'm not against TV preachers. There are some good ones. But you need to be careful because many of them are like ferocious wolves. Uh, They wear sheep's clothing, but inside they're ferocious wolves. And not everything they say you know it's like the preacher one time who's preaching a sermon and he had a little note to himself in his notes in parentheses and it said to himself he said uh, argument weak here speak loudly you know and we hear we hear people whether it's you know in the pulpit or on TV and they they speak loudly and they speak with a, a pseudo authority doesn't mean they're preaching the, the truth of God's word We need to be discerning. We need to compare everything to the word of God. By their fruits you will know them. Listen, a righteousness that's attained by works, by keeping a code, will never produce the fruit of righteousness, of true righteousness. And Jesus says this. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And it's, it's, there's no vice versa. A f- tree can only bear fruit in keeping with the kind of tree it is. Let me caution you. If, 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 you're, if you're part of this church body, you know I do my best to preach the true, as I said a few minutes ago, preach the true word of God. If you're watching someone on TV or you attend another church as your home church, you need to carefully evaluate the word of God that's being preached and and the messages that are being spoken in the name of the Lord. Because reality is a stubborn thing. The fruit is evident. And we need to be careful about false gospel. And listen, you know about the culture wars. You know about the, the moral issues. That our country is just consumed with. And what saddens me listen, I I, I can I can expect the world be angry. I can expect the world to pour out its hate and its vitriol on Christians and on on a biblical uh, standard of values, but what breaks my heart is to hear people of faith, people in leadership positions on social media and other places, bow to the will of the secular culture and say things that the Word of God clearly delineates as being sinful, that they're all right. And they're bowing to cultural idols, they're bowing to the popularity, they're bowing to the will of the majority, and God's going to hold them accountable. I don't care how big their churches are. I don't care how many followers they have on social media. If they deviate from the word of God to tickle the ears of the secular culture, then they're false prophets and leading people down a wrong path, and God's going to hold them accountable. the fruit of false prophets. Secondly, Jesus talked about the fruit of false disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Words are important, but they're not all important. What we speak is important, but it's not all important. What, Pastor, Tim, what do you mean by that? I mean, Jesus said, uh, "Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not any, everyone who makes a verbal profession, who 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 has the right lingo. You know, in church we 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 have a lingo, don't we? We 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 have a, we have a way, and you know, and." I thank God, and, and, you know, we're trying our best here in the, in the you know, uh, 21st century, 2022. We're trying to, uh, 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 you know, not be so bound to our church lingo so that when people from outside come in, they, 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 you know, they need a, a, a decipher key, you know. What in the world are these people talking about? And we, we can do that, can't we? So we, we try, but we're not perfect at it, you know. And sometimes we have a... We have a ling- and we, we can say the right thing. Oh, well, they sound so pious. And we can raise our hands on Sunday morning and we can sing louder than anybody else and we can do pious things and we can say all the right things. Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Pious words. Don't cut it. Again, facts are stubborn things. And... Jesus said, Well, many will not only call me Lord, but many will say on the day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name we drove out demons and performed miracles. Whoa. I won't take a survey of how many here have driven out demons or performed miracles. But it's probably not a majority of us. You've, you've, you've done what? Oh wow, you're phew. rest of us are down, man. You're up here. Right? You you're wow. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Jesus said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. But look at what we've done. Jesus says, I'm not impressed. He's not impressed with what we say. He's not impressed even with what we do. What we do is important, but what we do in and of itself, he's not impressed with that. He's impressed with the condition of the heart. Remember what we said, the kingdom, the very first message, 11 messages ago, the kingdom of God. It's it, In the biblical use, it's not primarily the realm or the people, the subject. It, it, the, the primary uh, meaning of the kingdom of God in Scripture is the authority, the sovereignty, the right of Almighty God to rule in our hearts. And, and, and Jesus said when, 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 the, when Almighty God rules in our hearts, it's a heart thing. It's not about keeping a code. It's not about what we say. It's not about what we do. Jesus said, said, it's about the heart. And when your heart is right, you enter the kingdom of heaven. The fruit of false disciples and the fruit of false prophets. A family planted an apple tree in the backyard. And as soon as it was planted, the young son in the family called his grandfather and explained, pop, pop, we just planted an apple tree. And now we're going to put apples on it. Oh, the the things kids come up with, huh? But you know, that illustrates some of our attitudes sometimes to spiritual fruit. We often think we bear the fruit by ourselves, that we can just, you know, tack it on. Doesn't work that way. We need to be connected to the source of nutrition, the vine, Jesus Christ. Through him comes the fruit of our lives. In his book... uh, Forgotten God, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan writes this. Listen to this. He asks, do you exhibit more kindness and faithfulness than the Mormons you know? Do you have more self-control than your Muslim friends? More peace than Buddhists? More joy than atheists? If God truly lives in you, shouldn't you expect to be different from everyone else? That really gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God's not as concerned about our words or our religious acts as He is about the fruit of our lives. If His kingdom authority uh, rules and reigns in our lives, it's going to show in how we live. It's going to show in how we treat other people. Amen? It's going to show in our integrity. It's going to show in our acts of kindness. We're going to have the joy uh, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to exhibit the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. You see... It's, 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 you understand the theme running through? It's not about appearance. It's not about how we can make things look. It's about how things are on the inside. The options are limited. The fruit is evident. What's the third reality uh, that confronts us uh, by the claims of the kingdom? It's that the consequences are eternal. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. principle here, it's, it's pretty plain. Some of you grew up in Sunday school, remember that song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And it tells about how when the rains came, it withstood, just as Jesus said here, it withstood the storms. We understand any structure is only as stable, is only as Sturdy as its foundation. And, and, and Jesus here is applying that to how we live our lives. A surface obedience will not withstand life storms. Including the storms of this life that we think of, you know, trials and tribulations. But also the storm of the coming judgment. See, that's another reality. There's a day coming. There's a judgment day coming. Pastor Tim, we don't like to talk about that. We like to talk about positive things and happy things so we can leave here smiling and uplifted. Don't use the J word. Realities. Facts. Truth of God's word. Judgment day is coming. If that doesn't motivate us and animate us and powerfully speak to us to number one, make sure our hearts are right with God, and number two, to bring as many people as we can into the kingdom of God, then I don't know what will. Jesus said, You need to have the foundation. What's the foundation? Putting the words of Jesus. He said it right here. It's it's not this, you know, there there are there are parts of scripture that are a little more challenging to interpret. This is not really that challenging. It's pretty simple. Jesus said, if you put my words into practice, if you do what I said to do. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about, about, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Speak the truth. Simple. Not always easy, but simple. Jesus said, do good to your enemies. Rejoice when people mistreat you. Boy, that's a natural inclination, isn't it? No, it's not. But Jesus said to do it. Jesus said, do good to those who despite. So all all these things, Jesus said, just do what I tell you. That's such a novel concept. You know, parents, we hate rebellion in our kids, but we can be pretty rebellious with our Heavenly Father, can't we? Jesus said, put my words into practice. That's a foundation. So how does that work? You see, when I get into a sticky situation, and I say, what am I going to do? I, boy, if I, I, I know I should probably do this, or say this, or, or, or take this... The, you know, financial loss, or 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 have this person get upset with me. But man, that's that's a price to pay. And if I just, you know, if I can just kind of skirt around and maybe do this and finagle this, and you know, we're great finaglers, aren't we? And, and I could just and 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 we're in a quandary. But you know, who's not in a quandary? The person who has the words of Jesus and the values of Scripture as a foundation. They get into a situation like that and they say, okay, this is going to cost me a price. This is going to be difficult, but there's no option because I have a foundation to do what Jesus said to do and I'm going to do the right thing, not the easy thing. Do you understand how that works? That's a foundation. And when the storms come, when the difficulties come, we don't have to worry that, oh, we may get battered a little bit, but but our structure is not going to be blown down. You know, when I make it a habit to tell the truth to everyone, I don't have to remember who I told what. Well, there were a set of facts for him, and I told her something else, and I kind of went in between with that. Don't have to worry about that. Why? Because I have a foundation. The tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, rises more than 2,700 feet, over half a mile tall. That's some serious height, isn't it? It has 160 floors, anybody afraid of heights? 160 floors, is twice as tall as the Empire State Building in New York City. It's home to the world's fastest elevator, get this, it travels at 40 miles per hour. Yeah, that's what I said. It also hosts the world's highest outdoor observation deck on the 124th floor. How many want to go to that? What a view. The world's highest swimming pool, I know you want to sample that, that's only on the 76th floor. But you know what the secret to the stability of this massive building is? It's found underground. Listen to this, before construction began to rise up, workers spent a solid year Digging and pouring the massive foundation that supports the building. The foundation contains some 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. A ton, I'm not a math major, but a ton is 2,000 pounds, right? Multiply that times 110,000. That's how much concrete is used to support that building. You see, the building is safe because the foundation is solid. Let me tell you, church, our our foundation can't get any more solid than the rock uh, of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when we're built on Him, when we're built on His words and putting His words into practice, we have a solid foundation. And the storms may come and they may batter us. Uh, But we're going to be safe. And the final storm, the final storm of God's judgment. Listen, judgment is coming. It's the truth of God's word. It's a reality. And like that song we sing, I love that hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hallelujah. How's your foundation today? What are you building your life on? What are you uh, pinning your future hopes on? Matter of fact, Charlie, we we may sing that song. You might want to cue that up. Fair warning. When Jesus had finished... Saying these things, verse 28 says, "The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The crowd heard him, and, and this isn't the, the only time that a, a similar notation is, is found after Jesus spoke. So they were amazed. He, he taught with authority. not you're not like the usual teachers of the law. they were amazed. You know, it's, and I imagine it was amazing because nobody ever spoke like he did. But you know what? Amazement at what Jesus says or does or even at who he is does not gain entrance into the kingdom of God. Jesus had a lot of fans, he had, you know, he had celebrity status. but people being enthralled with him and amazed at his teaching did not get them into the kingdom of God. Only receiving God's kingdom authority by accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior gains entrance into the kingdom of God. The only way. The only way. Pastor Tim, that's so narrow. Yes. Yes, it is. The only way. In conclusion... We ask the question, what realities confront us through the claims of God's kingdom? First of all, we said the options are limited. It's the narrow gate, the narrow road versus the wide gate and the wide road that leads to destruction. What road are you on today? The right path or the easy path? The narrow road or the wide road? The options are limited. There's no in between. Secondly, we said the fruit is evident. The fruit is evident. We need to be careful following false teachers, false prophets. They might seem to speak with a certain authority, but by their fruit you will know them. Do they preach and teach and speak the unadulterated word of God, or do they have another gospel? And what's the fruit in our lives? What's the fruit in our lives? Are we relying on a verbal profession? Lord, Lord. Spiritual acts. Oh, God, Lord, I've served you. I've done so many spiritual things for you. I've won people to the Lord. I've served in my church. I've done all these things. Jesus said that that doesn't matter. What's the fruit of your life? Thirdly, the third reality that confronts us through the claims of God's kingdom is that the consequences are eternal. It all depends on the foundation. What foundation are we building on? Jesus Christ and His Word and His teaching are the shifting sands of what the culture says is right. How many know what the culture says is right will be wrong tomorrow? Right? What the culture says is wrong, that'll be okay tomorrow. And, and the day after that, it'll be something else. We have a rock. We have a foundation, hallelujah, that doesn't change. The Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His word, He said, will never, ever pass away. Hallelujah. I thank God that we have reality on our side, that we have the kingdom realities.